0: He's got connections, from actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians.
1: Andy Hall.
0: His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. And every week, Andy Hall's bringing them to you on the Laser Airwaves. This week in Andy's Hall Pass.
1: My guest is guitarist and songwriter Nick Perry. How are you, Nick?
0: I am well. How are you?
1: Doing really well. Thanks for asking, man. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for your time today.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: We're excited for tonight's Living Room Live session as you introduce us to your latest and greatest project, Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves. First of all, mucho cool points for the band name. Where'd it come from?
0: Well, thank you. Well, obviously, the, the first part is, is, is my name, and it feels great after 20 years of music making to, to be using my name um, for the first time, which is really exciting, um, I'm proud of the record and I'm proud of the work And I feel like all roads have taken me to here. As as far as the underground thieves that came out, I was hanging with a friend of mine in new Orleans. we had just seen Roger waters do, um, the us and them tour in new Orleans. And we were sitting at a bar after the show and I don't know where it came from, but it just came out of my mouth. And I said, that would be like a super cool band name. And, uh, this was before the band was started. I was still in my previous band and, um, But I went back to the hotel and I bought the domain and and like all the URL, you know, social things. I put them on hold in case one day I ever wanted to use the name. And that day has come.
1: That's a cool story. So Roger Waters, that's awesome. So you must be a Floyd fan.
0: I'm a massive Pink Floyd
1: fan. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know something, dude? I've been doing this for over 20 years, and you'd think at some point I would have had the opportunity to see The Wall, which he's done on several occasions, and I've never seen him.
0: Yeah, The Wall for me is Mega Man. I, have, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but I have, like, the flowers that were part of that movie, like the animated flowers. I have that tattooed across my whole back, and I'm, I'm a huge lloyd fan a roger waters fan and um i would highly recommend if he ever does the wall again to try to see it it was the most moving and most powerful show of my life that i've ever seen
1: that album came out the year i was born 1979 and i've always had a special kinship with it uh in fact you know you mentioned the movie i talked to bob geldoff not long ago which was really no, a what? treat yeah really a treat for me because not only is this live aid but it's also pink you know totally absolutely that was a cool interview for me, a cool experience. You know, I know there are some people hearing this and thinking, Nick Perry, where have I heard that name before? Nick was a founding member of the band Silvertide. But in all honesty, that's one of probably a hundred ways fans may be familiar with your work over time, Nick.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess you could say that. Uh, I've been working um, in the music business since I was a teenager. I got signed, you know, Silvertide got signed. I was 16 years old. I call it joining the circus. Um, <laughs> I went from all-boys Catholic school, shirt and tie every day, to on tour in Japan and opening for Van Halen and Aerosmith and ZZ Top uh, seemingly the next day. So it it was like a rocket ship ride. Um, So I know a lot of people are familiar with Silver Tie, but I also played guitar for Perry Farrell, which was a huge honor. Um, Matt Sorum, Jimmy Necko, Dorothy, my sister Christina Perry, who's actually a a pretty big uh, pop artist.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: And a variety of others. So uh, I'm, I'm just grateful to have had the opportunities I've had. I've certainly worked hard over the years to, um, to stay in music uh, and, and to make this a career. Uh, but I couldn't be more excited to, like I said in the beginning, to finally be doing it under my own name, be doing it the way I w- I've always wanted to do it, uh, with no artistic compromise. So that was big for me. You know, this is the record... This is my debut record, really, in a lot of ways. I feel like this is the start of the next 20 to 30 years.
1: You've largely always played your own stuff. So, what is that like when you're asked by a Shinedown or a Dorothy or Perry Farrell, for that matter, to go in and play somebody else's stuff and have to learn that?
0: Well, in the case with Perry Farrell, it was crazy because I was 22 and Silvertide had just ended, or 23. And, um, it was my first experience with playing someone else's music because I grew up playing only, I never like played in cover bands. I'd always just written my own songs. And so I had a very short time. I think I had like two or three days to learn 22 James addiction songs. Wow! So it was uh, definitely took me out of my comfort zone, which I do feel like in life in general is important for human growth um, to come out of our comfort zones from time to time and do something different um, so for that, I'm grateful, but ultimately, as you just mentioned, uh, ultimately, you know, I decided to leave those projects, not because I didn't love the people I was with, but I, I, I'm a songwriter and I always feel this calling to come home sort of, so to speak to write and perform my own songs. And I've left situations. People thought I was crazy. I would let, you know, I left a situation with Shinedown where I was playing to 50,000 people in arenas every night to go back and play a 500-seat club. But I, I felt like at the right time that that's what I needed. I, I, that, that that was creatively more fulfilling for me to be doing, even to a smaller audience, be doing my own songs. Good for so, you. So, uh, you know, at times, people, like I said, have thought I was crazy, but I'm following this internal thing that I, I don't know where it comes from. I'm just sort of following the internal voice that I have. and And my hope, obviously, is that This music, this record, um, and now, you know, starting step one of, like I said, hopefully the next 20, 30 years of my career under my own name, I'm hoping I can get back to arenas, but do it with my own songs. And ultimately, that for me would be, you know, the ultimate home run.
1: Sure. You're following your instincts, which is what you do in the creative process. So it makes sense.
0: Cool. Well, thanks.
1: I read somewhere you're a Philadelphia native.
0: I am, born and raised.
1: That's interesting, because aside from a few household names, it's not generally known as a rock town. A lot of R&B, soul, indie sounds coming from Philly. What or who inspired you to pick up a guitar and start making racket?
0: That's a great question, and you're, and you're very right on with, with your assumption of, of the town. It's not known for being a big rock town, but my, my aunt, my mom's sister, when I was about 12 years old, gave me, maybe 11 years old, gave me two cassette tapes, Uh, one was ACDC Highway to Hell, and the other one was Pearl Jam 10. And it was over, man. (laughs) (laughs) At, At that moment, school was out and rock and roll was in. You know, that's all I could think about. I became obsessed, and I started playing guitar and writing songs you know within a couple months after that
1: we just celebrated the 41st anniversary of the release of highway to hell so i'm glad you brought that up that's a great album and i don't know if what which guitar in that band caught your ear first would it have been malcolm on the rhythm stuff or would it it have been angus
0: it was angus all the way man because i was already wearing the schoolboy outfit (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect
1: that's perfect
0: and and, so uh, my first like good electric guitar, which I saved up, you know, cutting grass and and um, shoveling snow, was a 1998 Gibson SG Standard, and I would put that on after school. Like I said, I'm already wearing the outfit. I just put on a Jeff cap and and the horns and the SG, and, and in my mind, I was Angus.
1: I mean, I don't know. You were probably a little too old to go trick or treating, but I was gonna say you never had to worry about a Halloween costume then.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely had it. A-
1: do you still have that first guitar?
0: You know, I don't have that first guitar through the years, just with, you know, uh, again, again, trying to stay in and do this full time for 20 years through a lot of highs and a lot of lows. I've bought and sold so much gear and uh, I don't really have any of the original. I have, I have one guitar that uh, from the Silvertide era that I have left, but I don't have that first guitar. Although I did recently acquire a very similar Um, Gibson SG from Gibson. I've been doing a lot of work with Gibson. I guess you could say I'm one of the new faces of Gibson, uh, which is a huge honor for me at this time. Sure. And I've recently acquired one very similar to that, and it was a big deal for me.
1: I'm a guitar guy myself, Nick, and to me, the instruments themselves create a real emotional connection over time that makes it extremely difficult to uh, ever decide to part with them.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I absolutely know, but I've, I've had to make decisions and, and move forward. And so, like, funding this record, just for example, I wanted to keep it independent. I wanted to own my own masters. I wanted to do things my way. You know, for to, to make this record, I sold a lot of gear to pay for the studio time and because I believe and I, I believe in the cause. So, I've tried over the years to detach myself you know, from being as material materialistic as I once was growing up. I mean, you know, the truth is, and I hate to be morbid, but you can't take this stuff with you. So I'm just, I view it as, you know, we, we're here for a short time, we have access to some of these nice things, which is, which is awesome, but ultimately they're tools for us to do a job and, and try to enjoy the experience and the journey of, of being here.
1: That's well put. Nick Perry is my special guest. We're playing the new single from Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves, a tune called Feeling Good, and looking forward to having Nick tonight at 7 o'clock on the Laser Facebook page for Living Room Live. I've talked to several artists over the course of this global pandemic we find ourselves in uh, this year, and and how that has affected them, not only just on a professional level, but personal as well. I can't imagine what it's like to launch something new while all this is going on.
0: Well, you know there's there's a silver lining to it and 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 that is and, and it's not easy and and i've had to wrestle with how appropriate it feels on a daily basis to be promoting something uh while the world is going through such a heavy thing but ultimately i keep coming back to the idea that you know my contribution specifically with feeling good and why you know we've chosen that song um if i can help in some way, even five minutes a day, just help put a little bit of positivity into someone's life, into someone's world. They hear the song on the radio, they, you know, happen to stumble upon it through my social media, whatever it is, you know, then it would make me feel good because we are living through a really heavy time. And I'm just grateful that a, I had the record done. It would have been much more difficult if the record wasn't done because it took, took two and a half years to make. Uh, it was a long process, and um, like I said, I put a lot of work into it, the whole band did, and I'm just grateful that it is done and that I have something to share right now, which may be a very minimal contribution, but it's been, like I said, in some way, it helps to put some positivity or good vibes into the universe right now when perhaps they're needed most then it's all worth it for
1: me tell me a little bit about the structure of the song because upon listening to it that first time and my friend michael sent it to me you probably know michael parish um he sent it to me and said i want you to put your ears on this and tell me what you think first of all it's right up my alley in terms of the kind of sound i'm really into um it's the kind of sound that translates really well to my favorite medium which happens to be vinyl by the way um So I I know it's not the most cost-effective thing nowadays, but I'm kind of hoping secretly that you put this out on vinyl.
0: We are. We did. We printed vinyl for the first time in my life. This is going on vinyl, and uh, we're running a vinyl pre-order right now. uh, And the vinyl will ship the day the album comes out on August 14th. The vinyl was super important to me to do.
1: Oh, that's fantastic news. Now I know where I'm going to be headed to make sure I get one of those before they sell out. I'm a big albums guy, always have been, and that's how I listen to music. So going back to what I was saying in terms of song structure and some of the production decisions you made on the first single, the first thing that stood out to me was the groove you created with just guitar and drum. You don't hear that specific combo enough, in my opinion.
0: Well, thank you. You know, uh, a few people have brought this up to me recently, and now that I'm thinking about it consciously, it is different. But at the time, it's just what felt right. And I guess I, I always, in the back of my mind, had this, you know, desire to do, maybe it's because I, I love Cream so much, and, you know, I think the track's "Stepping Out, mm. but it was like this giant guitar solo over drums. Like, I, I, I thought it would be cool to have just guitar and drums, and it only works sonically because the kick drum is so bombastic and so big. That, you're, that you don't actually miss the bass being there. If it was any other song and the bass would go away, it would be like, whoa, what happened to my track? <laughs> but because the kick drum um, is it was, it was so big and so bombastic and, and the frequency response is so low and big on that kick drum that you still maintain this groovy low end, but it's just an opportunity for the guitar to really shine with nothing else no keys, no bass, no vocals, no nothing, no other guitar, nothing around it. It's just guitar and drums. and And now that I'm thinking about it, I do think it's cool and um, to hear that on the radio you know, has been so awesome, because I think it's a real cool moment for guitar in the year 2020.
1: You mentioned August 14th as the date of release. How do you plan much of anything going forward? Is it just a day-by-day thing when you consider when to drop an album, when to hit the road? I mean, so much uncertainty, right?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of that. It is a day-to-day thing, but, you know, back in May, when we decided, because we needed a three-month lead for the vinyl and for the CDs and for the promotional, for the radio campaign, for the whole thing. So in May, we made the decision to put it out in August. And I guess we were all hoping, I think everyone in the world was hoping that, you know, things would be a little bit further along and perhaps a little bit better with the pandemic and all that stuff by August. Uh, obviously it's taking, uh, it's good old fashioned time, which is, uh, you know, concerning, but it's, it's, not made me want to change the date. I I still believe, like I said to you earlier, that music has a wonderful healing power and the ability to kind of take us out of our own world and take us somewhere else for a minute, like a good movie, you know? Yeah. So I feel like perhaps um, people will appreciate the distraction and, you know, go for 45 minutes, just go outside of their world and and experience something different. So um, as far as that, we're rolling forward And um, we are going to do an album release show, which we just announced yesterday, uh, live-streamed the day the album comes out. It'll be live-streamed all over the world, and so we're excited about that. We're just kind of making baby steps and planning as best we can, knowing that there's no certainty anymore. But we're, you know, trying to move forward as best we can.
1: Now, granted, I've only heard the first single, and like I said, we're playing it on laser the rest of the record does it? Does it feel as summertime as feeling good does? Because that to me, I mean, you, August fourteenth makes sense. If you waited any longer, we'd be in the fall, and I'm not sure the mood matches the album at that point.
0: Yeah, well, for sure, for feeling good, um, that's that's a summer song. Uh, a couple other songs I want you is track two on the album that has a similar, I think, summer sound. Although sonically, it is it is very different from feeling good. Um, but I think, no, the whole record doesn't match that. The, the record really, because as I said, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. My my taste is very eclectic. So I think the record is going to surprise some people because it gets really deep, really psychedelic, um, a, a much more emotionally deep with lyrics. And hopefully it's just a submersive experience. I do feel like it, it does have a thread through it, um, which is, we again, we worked hard to make sure that it felt like it was one body of work. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was, <laughs> but, um, but we wanted to make sure there was a continuity between it. But it definitely does take some right and left turns as you get deeper into the record. And um, I, I hope people dig it.
1: Going back real quick, just a couple more items here, Nick, and I really appreciate your time today. Um, going back to the idea of being a Philadelphia native and, and considering the the type of artists and the type of music that emanate from that city, would you say the environment in which you grew up contributed to your sound, or is that more like a byproduct of how you play?
0: That's a great question, and something I left out, which, which really plays into that, is I, I, I married a California girl, so I actually... Uh, Spent a, a lot of time over the last ten years in Southern California, and for a minute I was bi-coastal. I was back and forth between Philly and LA or Orange County um, all the time, and really the music, as I dove into the scene, the Southern California desert and Joshua Tree and the Yucca Valley and Laurel Canyon and all that stuff, like that had a huge impact on me. The birds, the Burrito Brothers, uh, Graham Parsons um obviously the eagles and crosby stills and nash and all that stuff so th- there's a uh, heavy helping i would say of California of what we call the california sound yeah. that has crept influence um but also an equal part of like the british blues rock and psychedelic uh movement that came from the uk in the 60s and 70s, which is what really I discovered as a youth growing up in Philly, and there's a big affinity for it here in this town. Um, Philadelphia loves classic rock, so... I grew up on on a bunch of that as well, and I think the album is kind of an automation of all of those things, you know, kind of equal part blues rock, equal part psychedelia, equal part California desert, you know, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to hear that. Nick, one last item, and I wanted to make sure and ask about that sibling relationship with your sister Christina, who you mentioned is pretty well known in pop circles. That amount of creative energy emanating from one family is a rare thing, but I'm curious, because the the two of you are so ingrained in your careers as musicians and performers you probably don't connect like typical brothers and sisters do are the two of you in pretty regular touch
0: i mean we're both busy but but we talk as as much as i think you know any sibling would talk i guess i guess you could say um you know it's it's interesting like you said that we both ended up here growing up you know we weren't we weren't in any uh, wasn't an overly musical household, but I think when, when the music bug bit me, uh, it also, through me, bit her. And so from the time we were teenagers, we were really obsessed with music and uh, t- decided that that's what we wanted to do. And uh, I'm grateful. I can't speak for her, but I'm grateful for all the opportunities and to be able to continue to do it, you know, at this point in my life and i i i'm sure that she is as well so um it's uh something that we don't take for granted
1: we're excited to get our hands on the album august 14th is the date of release from nick perry and the underground thieves tonight at seven o'clock they're appearing on the laser facebook page our latest and greatest installment of lasers living room live and we do appreciate you taking the time nick this has been great
0: hey thank you for having me i had a blast and uh thank you for the support over there i really appreciate it